0: Welcome
1: back the Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, 512 Friday. We play jams from uh, very talented human beings, local bands, and artists that you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick?
0: This is Saucer, and they are playing Sunday at Kick Butt Coffee.
1: Kick Butt Coffee. We talked about Kick Butt Coffee yes. before already. All right. I need to check out Kick Butt Coffee, man. Sounds like a play. I don't even like coffee. But that sounds like a place I can still hang out.
0: Yeah, I don't l- listen coffee. to this
1: song. Does this song
0: make you think you're going a sip coffee? No, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> this is not the kind of song that'll be playing in some little lame coffee joint. No, no. kick butt coffee. That's exactly right. Uh, you can always go check out the jams you might have missed on a five one two Friday at HornFM.com in case you missed any of those. We'll get back to uh, some Texas football discussion, Texas spring football uh, have happening uh, this week, actually started this week. They had their third practice today. Sark met with the media for his media availability. We'll play some of those cuts from Steve Sarkeesian and also go over to some of the results from the Texas Pro Day. And if we have time, get into some spring football news, notes, nuggets, and updates there. But the big story of course that has really uh, taken over the sports world is from the NFL today. The NFL big trade made by the uh, Carolina Panthers trading two first rounders and two second rounders and a player DJ Moore to the Bears. The Bears for the number 1 overall pick and uh, of course the domino uh effect from that uh, is going to affect the Houston Texans who have the number 2 overall pick. Um, both of those teams will be in the uh, market for a quarterback. And there is a report from Danny Kelly that the Carolina Panthers like multiple quarterbacks in this draft. And I, there are two. So there are two theories. So I, get, I think me and my, Patrick, my man Patrick have multiple theories. Patrick's got a, a couple and I have one or two. So with the Texans, it, the Texans have not been aggressive about this number one, uh, at least acquiring the number one overall pick. They've had time to and they've had to draft capital. You got tons of it. Over the next two years, I don't know if there's a team in the NFL with more draft capital than the Texans, especially with yeah. two first-rounders in the next in the next two drafts. And they haven't, they haven't made a move at all yet. There have been whispers in H-Town, just whispers, heard them talking about it on their sports radio on 610, 97.5, a couple other spots, that the Texans could decide to go defense. That's Patrick's theory, is that that's why the Texans have not been aggressive. Is yep. that they're going defense. Now, Patrick, I am inclined to believe your theory if I see and you know, and I have no problem with the Texans doing this, by the way, going defense, because they, they solidified their secondary last year with Derek Stingley and uh, with the safety. Um, Pet- Petrie. he was great by yeah. the way. he's fantastic. Um, so I, I understand that, and maybe now they want to build the front seven with some foundational pieces. This is a really good draft for, for D. Lyman one of the better drafts for ends and also for interior D linemen. So maybe they want to go there. But if that is the case, then how they handle the quarterback market this season is going to be big. And then how they handle the draft next season is going to be big. So to add to your theory, if your theory is indeed true that they are going defense this draft, then that means they, they're going to prioritize quarterback next draft. And they also may assume they're gonna be really bad next season and they may not even have to trade up next season to go get their quarterback. They just they may be bad enough where they could just draft their guy in the top two, whether it be a Drake May or a Caleb Williams. So yeah. if your theory's right, then that's where we're going with this thing,
0: right? That that is, is that I the think course. I think that's a course. I don't think that they'll be think they'll be top two picks bad again. You never know, but I think if you figure you're gonna draft defense You've already got one draft where you did okay. You did pretty good with Stingley and Petrie. Yeah, Yeah, you really did. So you went, okay, we're going to have this. We should be able to beat the Colts a few times. We should be able to beat the Titans a few times. We should get a few wins. And if we can get six, seven wins, that pulls us right up into that higher team, that 10 to to 12 range. But you're also looking, hoping that Cleveland doesn't do anything because you have Cleveland's picks, so you need to watch what Cleveland does. And you have other draft collateral as well.
1: Yeah, I just um, – And
0: hopefully you were able to trade Brandon Cooks for something.
1: Yeah, I, it, it's still risque when right now oh. you're in a position to get one of the top quarterbacks. And next year you may be, but then you might have to finagle your way back up to the top. And as we pointed out, listen, Caleb Williams and Sam May seem to be – is it Sam May or Drake May? Oh, I'll say Sam May.
0: Drake Sam May, May is uh, his brother May. who okay. played basketball oh, for North they, Carolina. I was
1: like, Why am I thinking Sam May? Okay, yes, but or Luke, that was Luke May. I know. See, there's I Luke it... May.
0: There's a Sam May somewhere. I
1: had... Sam May's
0: Sam May's uh, was a is another guy. It's yeah. Drake May, though, right? Yeah, Luke May played basketball right. for him with his brother. I'm and mixing yeah.
1: up my May's, I apologize. Yes, Drake May. uh, but there's, listen, I like Drake May. But aren't there a little, some questions about Drake May still? Oh yeah, I mean
0: he's had one season. Yeah, it's, he had one season. Taylor Williams and little— And we said Sam Howe did that at North Carolina. He had one great season, and the next season. Didn't, and I mean that old line for North Carolina was really bad for Sam Howe. But it just he didn't look like a NFL quarterback again. So you know it's always all right once teams really get a chance to. You're only playing teams once in college. So now those all those D D coordinators get another year to build for you, and they have a year of game planning for you. They may come back, and we'll see a little bit more if they can pick out your flaws after a year of playing and being a starter in the in college football. That's that's what we got to figure out about him. Caleb Williams has now gone two seasons of being a Heisman candidate. Yeah, he's real basically deal. so he's he's, he's in that yeah. area. He'll
1: he'll be the number one overall pick, no question. But I don't necessarily know if the like I said, maybe they just like maybe the Texans like that quarterback class, that top two quarterbacks better than this class of top the top two quarterbacks in this class. That could very well be the case. So I have no problem with the Texans passing up on the quarterbacks in this draft. Is that if that's indeed where they're going here and going defense? if they have a plan to get their quarterback for next well, season. And I mean, I can go further have a down plan, though.
0: I do think we've seen, and this partly goes into the, uh, to the no one wanting Lamar Jackson. I think the fact that Brock Purdy did so well last year has a lot of people and GMs wanting to go that route, even though that's not a real route. I think there's teams that think, Hey, you know what? Let's not, you know, quarterbacks want too much. And I can't build a team if, if, a third of my salary cap is going to one guy. So what I want to do is try and get a game manager, and game managers are the new way to do it in the NFL.
1: I I don't think that's where it's going. I don't think so either. I think there's GMs who want to do it that way. I don't think that's what they're thinking either. I don't think they're thinking that. I I don't think they're thinking that. That that would be absurd. That would be a throwback to basically you want to win Super Bowls, the toughest route possible to win a Super Bowl, which is the way the Bucks did it. With you know, with Brad Johnson, and with the way the 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 Baltimore Ravens did it with Trent Dilfer, like that's yeah. insane. That's insane. oh no, I agree. I, yeah. I don't think and it's the, the right way to go. And the Forty ers are, if we just talked about they're a unique beast. Every NFL person, every NFL. Exec should know that they're a unique beast. And by the way, they got a Trey Lance on their roster. Well, and remember this was a happy accident for them. They didn't know Brock Purdy was gonna be playing. They thought Trey Lance was gonna be the future. Turns out it was Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, they were wrong about that. Oh, it's Brock Purdy. So that's a that's flawed logic if they're thinking that. I agree. If you're looking at that. That's, I agree. That's that's a that's a scary thought there. Uh okay. Let's get to some uh, Texas football conversation here because uh, Texas had their third practice of the spring, this uh, actually earlier today. And Sark spoke to the media, had his second media availability after practice, and he talked about a number of different things. I want to go through some of these cuts. The first cut is Sark being asked what he thinks the best position group is um, on his roster right now. Not even Sark is sure about that.
2: Probably too early. I, I, yeah. Quite frankly, it's probably too early. You know, I think we have a deep team. You know, I, I do. I, I, feel, I feel good about a lot of our position groups of just, I, th- I think we have enough experience uh, kind of across the board um, on both sides of the ball. I think that we've got a good influx of young talent on our team. Um, I think it's competitive. Um, so I, I'd hate to say right now that one position group just feels so good. Um, I, I will, the, only, the one thing I will say is, like, up front, you know, anytime you can return your entire offensive line and then you add the players that we had, that, that feels really good. And then really on the defensive front as well, the fact that we lost two good players in, in, Co, in Coburn and in Ojemo, and it still feels good. I still feel like our defensive front is one of our strengths. You know, I think Sweat and, and, and uh, Murphy and – um, Alfred and Vernon and th- that, that group there, and then how the young guys are coming along. So the line of scrimmage to me, as you guys know, I value a great deal. I feel I feel really good about that.
1: I mean, honestly, he's right. It should be the O-line, right? I mean, we you, you've turned every starter on the O-line, all five on the O-line, and your second group is part of a recruiting hall of offensive linemen which was the highest-ranked group of O-linemen in any recruiting class in the last five, six years. I mean, that is a really impressive group. Now, that's mostly all of your, your second-team guys, but you brought back the entire first team. It should be the O-line. All your starters back, in addition to a lot of the backups being more talents or having higher ceilings than the actual starters. There's no other group you bring back all your starters like that. And honestly, what may be the secondary, actually, when you look at it, if everything works out, Jalen Catalani brought in, Jaren Thompson returning starter, Ryan Robs returning starter, Jade Ban, returning starter for you as well. The only newcomer in that secondary should be Terrence Brooks. And from what I hear, Terrence Brooks is the real deal. I I even talked to his pops, Ched Brooks, uh, who was a defensive back coach and a footwork coach and he's talked about how you know, Terrence Brooks could probably play any position potentially in the secondary. I heard Jerry Hamilton say the same thing. He's expected to be the field corner. That's bringing back four of the five uh, starters in the secondary. So I think it's the O-line, and, man, I might. If we're talking about strength, the secondary should be in the conversation. The D-line would be there too, but you're still not sure about your edges. Your interior D-line is loaded. Interior D line, you're gonna have uh, Tavon Jay Sweat, Alfred Collins, Vernon Brodn, Byron Murphy, Cedric Mitchell. Uh, so, I, if if I could just go with uh, uh, one specific, you know, uh, position, even like even you know, I, I, overall, I'd go with O line. But if I'm just going with one group, particularly uh, side from a position, it'd be the interior defensive. Tackles like the D tackles. You remember last year? Hell, you lost Kendra Colburn, you've lost more Ojimo, two guys who are gonna get drafted, and you still are probably four deep. You got four guys who can give you basically starting reps in an interior D line with Sweat, Collins, Broadden, and Murphy. Last year, you were six deep in interior D line, you were the deepest interior D line group in the country last year. Crazy. That's why you led the country – actually, sorry, take it back. You were second in pressures last year behind Clemson, 277. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I, I think it might be O-line. Patrick, you'll us. No, it's O-line. I, I agree with you. I think it's it should O-line.
0: Be. I think it's O-line just because that's the – like you – that was your whole focus of that recruiting class. You really tried to get that O-line. It seems like you did a good job. We were talking earlier. Kelvin Banks is – just a beast and if you want to say who might be the the most sure thing prospect for the nfl right now it's probably your left tackle oh no doubt so if we're going with that i think it's that and i agree that the the interior d line which is a really good start because you want to start building your team from the inside out and from the lines out if they can get some edge rushing this year that's the key if they can get that and get some pressure on the quarterback that is a really good start to put all this talent that Sark has to play around with it.
1: Yeah, they said they, they, they were second in the country in pressures last year. Most of those came from the interior D yeah. line. They didn't. I mean, the edges were good, but they weren't. You know, they weren't extraordinary. Baron Sorrell is going to be a good player for you, but now you're hoping Jamin Tap, uh, Justice Finkley, Colton Vasek, By the way, Ethan Burke, that those guys step up. But man, your interior D line, you are loaded. So I think that's a. The position that's the deepest. If I'm looking at O line, if I'm looking at a you know a particular group, then I'm like, that's I think your interior D line, the D tackles, man, it's one of the deepest in the country too. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to this second cut about Jaden Blue. Uh, cut two here, Patrick, because he was asked about Jaden Blue. Uh, Jaden Blue is getting starting reps now because Jonathan Brooks is out. Keelan Robinson still out. Those guys are dealing with an injury. If they have Uh, practice they're very very limited Uh, they're not going through uh, any any uh, hardcore uh, drills and any of the actual hardcore part of the practices but he was asked about Jaden Blue and his development um, so far since they've seen a lot of him since he is going he's going with the ones here is coach Sark on Jaden Blue
2: you know a lot of times players come in and there's always, especially when they're highly recruited guys like he was, there's always this expectation if they don't play their freshman year, like what's wrong. Uh, And a lot of times the development side of their game is really important to their future. Um, I'll use JT Sanders as a great example from two years ago. You know, it was always like what's wrong with JT or how's he doing or what's going on. And then boom, here comes year two and he has a really good year. And so I've been pleased with, with Jaden, um, not only the physical maturity, but I think the mental maturity of how to attack every day. I thought he did a really good job last year of really learning from two great guys to learn from in in Bijan and Roshan, but also Keelan and Jonathan Brooks. And now as we're, as we're kind of monitoring Keelan and Jonathan, Jaden's getting a lot of the first team reps. Um, and he's, you can see a lot of the things that we've been working on a year ago come to life. I thought, Today was a physical day. There's some hard, tough runs, and he and he he had some really nice runs and got through there and in traffic between the tackles. And we know what he can do on the perimeter, but to be a back in our offense, you need to be a complete player. And um, I'm pleased with with kind of his development up to this point. Uh,
1: All right, that, that's uh, Coach Sark talking about Jaden Blue and his development. And I believe the follow-up from, I believe it was the same reporter asked him, you know, would you like to have a featured back rather than a running back by committee?
2: I would. You know, I, I, I've used to that. Yeah. Um, I've never not had a 1,000-yard rusher uh, in call and plays in college football. And so the fact that can we get there with one of these guys, we will find out. Um, I do think we, we've got a lot of good depth there, especially when Keelan and Jonathan are really healthy and ready to go. We got Jaden Blue. We got the influx of, of Cedric Baxter. Trey Wisner is going to be here in the fall. We move Savion Red there. So we've got a really talented room. Um, if it feels like one guy can be the feature guy, that would be that would be great. But if if we you know use two three guys in there that that play and complement one another, I think we'll be okay with that. We but again, time will tell. We we have time to get to that point.
1: Uh, yeah, I think he wants. CJ Baxter, I, I think that's what they call him now instead of Cedric. I, I believe CJ Baxter, is going to be the guy end up being the featured back for them, um, and I think they want to change a pace back with CJ Baxter, and I think Jonathan Brooks is going to be that. I, I think in the end, it ends up being a two headed monster with Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks, and Keelan Robinson should be a complementary piece in the running game, and you know I think his. Development last year was huge. Remember, last year he, uh, two years ago, I should say, he wasn't really a threat beyond the line of scrimmage in the passing game. All of his receptions, or even all of his targets, were five yards within the line of scrimmage. He really wasn't a threat to run a vertical route downfield. That changed last year, so you got to give uh, the coaches a ton of credit for working with Keelan Robinson and expanding his skill set a little bit. So I, I think if you know they have a healthy Jaden Blue. With Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, um, and Keelan Robinson, I, I, it'll, it'll end up being looking like a running back by committee. Uh, but I do think you'll have a two-headed monster as your featured back, and I'm hoping he gets back to. Some of those two tailback sets, the twenty-one personnel, two backs, one tight end, twenty personnel, two backs, zero tight ends. Those were the most effective and explosive personnel packages for Texas last year. Now you could say, well, that's because they had Bijan Robinson, and Rojo in the backfield. That is true. They also mixed in some Keelan Robinson as there in there as well. And remember, a lot of that was the go-go principles that Brandon Marion brought in. That was his two back set, which is the West Coast passing game with a triple option run game. They're going to keep. Some of those same concepts. Um, they lost the two backs that made that you know that two and twenty one personnel package so prolific. But I still think you're gonna bring in you know uh, number one running back in the country in Cedric Baxter, C.J. Baxter, I should say, and Jonathan Brooks, who's a really damn good player too. Um, they didn't use any two tailback sets at all in the bowl game, which I thought was a travesty. And even Sark said he would play all three running backs in the bowl game. He did not for various reasons. Um, but I digress. Not getting into that. The uh, whole point is I do think they got a lot of talent in the running back uh, room. But it's, it's key that this year Sarcast stated that the one element that needs to improve the most on offense is the passing game. She talked about it. Uh, ad nauseum talked about the end of last season and it's talked about it here even in the spring that's where they have to improve the most a big part of that is the wide receiving room which regressed last year a little bit mostly because of Xavier Worthy and now we know the broken hand that he was dealing with Um, now they've upgraded those Uh, Xavier Xavier Worthy's back he's healthy Jay Witt back uh, in that room as well and that was his first season uh, completing a season entirely healthy. So that was a big step for him. And then you add guys like Jonte Cook, who is as as college ready probably as any young receiver we've seen on the 40 Acres in quite some time. We just saw Xavier Worthy as a true freshman have a breakout campaign. Here is Sark talking about that young wide receiver roam and how talented they are.
2: Yeah, I mean I think, you know, one we've got you know we've got three returners that are that are good players, obviously and Xavier Uh, Jordan and Casey, you know, and I thought Casey really came on there, especially had a nice bowl game for us. Um, But then all of a sudden, you know, AD, who has showed up, has played a lot of football at a high level uh, at Georgia. Jonte, I think, has been exposed to a lot of good football there, obviously at DeSoto, and he's worked at his craft to get there. And DeAndre, um, very good player. Now, we're all excited to get Isaiah Nair back. And so the competition in that room, I think, is going to be very good. Um, but in the end, as as we've touched on, that, that that was a real point of emphasis of ours that our passing game needs to improve for us to be the team that we want to be. Um, and so, rolling those guys in and, and getting them exposed to playing right now, I, I'm really comfortable with with where they're at. All
1: right, there you go. I'm trying to uh, make sure he gets that passing game going. And I agree. I mean, last year, um, you know, they really were extraordinary running the football with Bijan and Rojo. A lot of those guys, they would make something out of nothing. You're talking about guys that would turn a three-yard loss into a four- or five-yard gain. Uh, Bijan Robinson set the record for pro football-focused career, not career, but a season missed tackles in a single season, which were 104, I believe. And on top of that, Rojo actually had a higher broken tackle rate than Bijan Robinson. It was the highest in all of college football over his last two seasons. And he actually averaged more yards after contact per rush than Bijan did. So those two guys were extraordinary. And I think we saw the running game take a huge hit as a result of that. And it made Texas one dimensional last on uh, that last game versus Washington in the bowl game. And even though Quinn Ewers I thought had a, a pretty good performance, Texas passing game was not prolific enough, it was not lethal enough for them to, be able to win their game as a, with a one-dimensional attack. Uh, this year, that they should be able to force teams into quite a conundrum with the different personnel packages they can use and with the personnel they have in the passing game. J.T. Sanders, J. Witt, X-Man, uh, Isaiah you're healthy, A.D. Mitchell thrown out there, and Ajante Cook. They should be able to win matchups across the board in the passing game, as long as Quinn gets the protection and can deliver the football. All right, uh, we come back. We got Cowboys news notes and nuggets to get to. Cowboys clear some cap space. Why did they clear the cap space? What do the Cowboys combine interviews tell us about their draft intentions and also a mock draft? Actually, three top mock drafts all saying the same thing about the Cowboys' intentions in the first round. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings, that you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick?
0: This is Dark Bird. They are playing Sunday at Hotel Vegas. All
1: right. Um, you can always catch up with any of these selections for 512 Friday. You might have missed. Go to hornfm.com, and you can catch up with them on the website there. All right. Uh, Let's talk about the Cowboys for a second here. Cowboys combine interviews. um, The the position that was interviewed the most at the NFL combine by the Cowboys was actually cornerback. Interviewed nine cornerbacks at the combine. Nine cornerbacks, seven safeties, and six wide receivers. Which is strange because they they may draft a safety just because of the Donovan Wilson situation. I don't know if the Cowboys are confident that in this free agency period, which starts up Wednesday, the legal tampering, I believe, starts up on Monday for the Cowboys. I don't think the Cowboys are confident that they can sign Donovan Wilson to a deal that is um, team friendly. He's going to want big money. It's his first big contract. he was a late round pick, but this year had a hell of a year for the Cowboys. led the Cowboys with 70 solo tackles, had a career high five sacks um, and he you know he really ever since he got the the start after replacing I think Darren Thompson in week four in 2020, he's become a downhill thumper for the Cowboys. So he's going to demand somewhere around maybe six mil per year. The Cowboys are willing to pay. The Cowboys have notoriously skimped on safety. And I'm not mad at them about that, by the way. A lot of Cowboys fans are. They don't spend a lot of free agency money on safety. They don't spend a lot of draft capital on safety. Since 2002, Cowboys have only spent one pick in the top 125 picks on, in any draft on a safety. Since 2013, 75% of the league has picked at least one safety in the first two rounds. Cowboys have not. They just, That's just not how they operate. So every team. Decides to skimp on something because it's a salary cap league. So if you're on a fixed budget, so you got to skimp on something, right? We all on a fixed budget. When you go grocery shopping, you figure out what you're going to skimp on. You're like, you know what? I'm going to get the HEB brand bread, yeah. HEB brand cookies, but I won't get the. I'm going to get my Bud Light. You know, what I mean, I'm going to get my name brand whatever. Yeah, you I'm, skimp, I'm getting
0: the Gatorade. But exactly. I'm, getting, I'm getting the Gatorade. But I, you know what? We'll get the HEB soda.
1: HEB soda, HEB butter. H-E-B stuff is pretty good stuff. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Exactly. Yeah, not complaining. Good stuff. So basically, that's the, the Cowboys skimp on safety. And the first time it worked out for him, honestly, has been when Dan Quinn came on. Because Dan Quinn has a system that loves to use safety. He uses three safeties, 40% of his defensive snaps. So he loves to use safety. in his positionless football ideology, he has maximized and weaponized Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, and J-Run Curse. And uh, So the Cowboys, the philosophy on skimping on a safety position, it has, has blown up in their face more often times than not, but not in the last couple of years since Dan Quinn has become the defensive coordinator. So they may continue with this, and they love Israel Makuyamu. He is a pet project of Dan Quinn, big, tall, lanky. And this is also a really, it's not a deep draft for safeties, but it's a deep draft for corners, and the Cowboys love to convert a long corner into a safety. Oh. Cowboys do it all the time. They'll take a long corner turn into a safety. Oh, they've done it like two or three times. So they could also take that route as well. So Cowboys looking at safety and cornerback. But like I said, at safety, expect the Cowboys to, like I said, continue their philosophy of skimping or finding value there, finding a bargain there at safety. Wide receiver, though, that's interesting. That wide receiver is one of the other positions they're looking at cornerback, and wide receiver. I do think they'll go cornerback in the draft. As a matter of fact, I'm working on something for Monday about the Cowboys and the cornerbacks in the draft. They're definitely drafting a corner. It goes without saying. I mean, they, we know the corner opposite of Trevon Diggs hasn't really worked out, whether it was Kelvin Joseph they threw out there. Uh, they, they threw a number of different players out there, even made midseason acquisitions to try to find a corner. So they're going to draft a corner. That's the The good news is there are a lot of good corners in this draft. This is a deep draft for cornerbacks for the Cowboys. So that's that's really good news because they don't have to necessarily prioritize drafting a, a cornerback really high. Now they could draft a cornerback really high, but I mean they also can draft one in the mid rounds, the third, fourth, and even fifth round potentially and get themselves a good cornerback. And uh, that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you it's a deep, deep cornerback draft. The Cowboys could end up taking advantage of that. All right. Uh speaking of draft, the Cowboys uh in the mock draft that I've looked at, three of them. Dane Brugler's mock draft, Todd McShay's mock draft, and Mel Kuyper's mock draft. All of these, the latest mock drafts that have come out for the Cowboys. And they all have the Cowboys taking the same position and taking the same player. They all have them taking tight end and have them taking Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end. Dane Brugler, Ty McShay, Mill Kuyper. Now, all these guys, they work for different play. You know, Dane Brugler, I think, is an athletic guy, and Mill Kuyper and Ty McShay are ESPN guys. But at the combine, they all talk, they all hang out, they're all, you know, whispering, and uh, they're all hearing the same reports, talking to the same sources. So, whatever sources that these three guys have, they're post combine mock draft, same player and same position for the Cowboys. That's Dalton Kincaid. So, and Albert Breer reported today that the Cowboys made a a solid offer to Dalton Schultz. I have no idea what solid offer means, but they made a solid offer, and he declined the solid offer. I think he wants to see what he's worth on the open market, and the Cowboys need to replace that production at tight end, and maybe they're not really so that Jake Ferguson is ready to take on that much of the, the role in the passing game. He might be, but the tie, the Cowboys use a lot of 12 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends. As a matter of fact, they used more last year than they had used in previous years. Hell, they used 12 personnel 31% of the time just on first down alone. That was top five in the league. They love using multiple tight ends. Remember, they broke out the three tight end packs, 13 personnel last year too. Um, so Peyton, Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson, they like I think they may want to add another tight end just because they like playing a lot of multiple tight end packages. And if they want to run the ball, which Mike McCarthy says they do, they want to run the rock, having t- multiple tight ends out there is always helpful if you want to run the rock. And it's a really deep tight end draft, too. It uh, turns out it's actually one of the deeper tight end drafts. Um, this is from Todd McShay. He said tight ends are arguably the strength position, the strongest position in the draft. He's projecting seven tight ends drafted by the end of day two. That hasn't happened, um, I want to say, since like 2019 and 2014 prior to that. So it didn't happen often where you get seven tight ends ranked that high. But you got Michael Mayer. You got Luke uh, Musgrave. You got Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, who we just talked about from uh, Georgia. And the Iowa tight end, Sam Laporta and Kate Stover, the Iowa State, Ohio, sorry, Ohio State tight end. So tons of good tight ends out there. And it's actually really deep tight end free agency class, And, too. It, and I'll throw out a name,
0: too, that made, I don't know if he's ever going to be in the same shape he was in before. And I know he made a tryout for the Eagles last year. But Blake Jarwin played well for the Cowboys, had that hip injury that was going to take him out for a full year. So they released Ooh. him. I know he made a tryout. For the Eagles last year in December, man, so I didn't know that that's a name that if he's still interested in playing football, if he's still out there, especially if you're going to try and go young at tight end to bring in someone with a little bit more experience, to just yo look, man, we know you're coming off an injury, so you may need me on more of a snap count, yeah, and not but, but we have this young guy in Jake Ferguson, and if we draft another one, Blake Jarwin is somebody that I just it doesn't it seems where he's 28 years old. I know his injury was bad, but it seems in a world where tight ends are so valuable that he should be a guy that maybe gets a tryout.
1: I didn't realize he had had such a fall from grace. I didn't realize Well, you that, remember, he had that hip injury
0: yeah. that took him out, and they were like, he may not play again this season. So he was a cap cut because you can't have a guy on your roster who's, like, basically he was going to be done, yeah. and they didn't even know if he was ever going to come back.
1: I, yeah, I, I, but I, I know yeah. he tried out for the Eagles. And, I, I mean, the Cowboys liked him when they had him, and – Right, he was. He was. The question was him or Schultz.
0: Yep, and that was. And then he got hurt, so Schultz won. But a lot of people like Jarwin too.
1: Uh, That's a great point. I I forgot all about that. You might get him on the cheap too. And that's what I'm
0: saying. If if you can put him in, in like especially if you draft this other tight end, if you're if you're gonna go Dalton Kincaid, and then you have Jake Ferguson, and you just need somebody who has played in the NFL
1: before. Uh, Texter Nate says Anthony Brown will be back. I think. Well, if they sign him because he's a free agent. Um, Cowboys have a, basically till Wednesday. well, oh, actually, I not want until Monday. Try to resign all of their in house free agents, and Anthony Brown's one of them. So that's why I wonder what that's why drafting a cornerback for them may not be a bad thing there, too. Um, and I love your idea about Blake Jarwin. I'm sure. And the Cowboys love their training staff. So maybe they could take a chance and on him. They love their guys. And, and Blake, Blake Jarwin their was their guy. That's one of their guys, too. Yeah, the Cowboys got to figure out something, about, something to do with tight end. But like I said, also the free agents at tight end. Uh, Mike Gusecki, um Austin Hooper, um, Hayden Hurst, Irv Smith, Jordan Akins uh, from the Texans. Jeff Swaim is actually a t- uh, actually a free agent too, I believe. So there's some tight ends out there you can get potentially on cheap. And then the, the Cowboys drafted j- drafted Jeff Swaim too, didn't they?
0: I think so, right?
1: Yeah, I think they did back in the day. Yeah. There you go. Bring your band back together. Bring your old man back. Old man, <laughs> man. Jeff Swain. Uh, that'd be pretty good. Old school. All right, uh, we come back. We'll uh, get ready to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and uh, we'll let you know what's on tap for us. Right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Underhome. It's time for the Craigway Sports Report. Now, here's Craigway. Pop a top again. you mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? Up? oh yeah i've been known to drink a beer or two i think a man
2: working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds it's only my opinion sir
0: i got beer i got bottled breast milk Eh, why don't we start with the beer okay
2: it's five o'clock somewhere wait it's already five o'clock here it's time for what's on tap
1: how about a nice cool drink that's really good that's good that's Top again. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. Uh, before we get out of here, we'll let you know what's on tap. If you missed any part of any of the shows, uh, please go to Horn FM. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. Um, of course, Texas basketball coming up um. So, if you want to uh, catch up Texas basketball, we'll have the pregame for you at 730? 730? Yes. Right seven thirty. Seven thirty, right here. I want to uh, no eight
0: p.m. It's an eight thirty game. Oh, so eight p.m. Right. pregame. Uh, currently on twelve sixty and 1019, one nine, you can listen to UT baseball with Roger Wallace and uh, Mike Harge on the call.
1: Oh, who's winning? Do we know? I do not know.
0: All right, not, I'll check it up out real quick. Check it out, but yes, yeah, so you check that right now. UT softball is playing the second game of their doubleheader on one hundred five three. The bat UT women did win today, so they will be playing tomorrow a noon game, eleven forty five a.m. Tip on one hundred five three. The bat, so that'll be there. Uh, I believe if Texas wins, they will be playing at one p.m. tomorrow. I believe uh, I have to double check that, but it will be around one p.m. So around a twelve thirty start for Texas if they are to win tonight against TCU. And uh, you know what? They've got all the ability to do it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it tonight because I want to see how this team once again handles the adversity of being without Timmy Allen. Uh, Timmy Allen has been such a crucial piece for this team. And honestly, yesterday I, I thought, considering, I don't know how long they knew they were going to be without Timmy Allen. Do we know when that news even broke about Timmy uh, Allen I mean, not being available? It, it, was, after,
0: a- it was after we had left. So it was. So I say it wasn't something that they
1: saw like days before. This is something that came. No, up. I think yeah. it was
0: something they may have known, but they did not want Oklahoma of State to know. Of they yeah. were. It was one of those Sark things, you know. I don't. You. I don't need <laughs> to tell you that.
1: Hey, he's right. You ain't got to tell us a damn thing. <laughs> so you
0: don't want to pre- let him prepare for not having a team. Let him. Let him use as much time as they want to prepare for a guy you know is not going to play. <laughs> it's an injury that apparently has been bugging him for a while, and they're just trying to get him fully healthy.
1: Okay. All right, um, all right. So there you go. Uh, Texas basketball. You got a you got an eight o'clock pregame right here. Eight thirty tip off there. And if you want to uh, catch up with Texas baseball, you can do that. You said on the bat, correct?
0: It, it, no, Texas, Texas baseball is on 1260 and, 60, and, and 1019.
1: 1019. There you go. Oh man, Patrick, always keeping us in the know. We appreciate him for that. Um, all right. Other than Texas basketball tonight, what's on tap for you this weekend? Hopefully, I guess more Texas basketball. Hopefully, more Texas <laughs> basketball.
0: Watching more tournaments uh this sunday 5 to 7 p.m uh meet myself aaron hogan and zay will be hosting a selection sunday show right here on 104.9 the horn uh we may be announcing a big giveaway that'll be happening too uh but that is but stay tuned for sunday selection show uh i believe either if craig if if the women do not make the finals craig way will be there if not jeff Howe will be there it's possible i could be there and zay will be running the board and We've, we were madness. we're running around, but someone will probably be at UT to get a reaction. We know if UT can win today, uh, Kansas is playing Iowa State right now. Last I checked, they were up, and if Kansas can win, if you, Texas can beat Kansas twice in eight days, it makes it real hard not to give them a one seed. That's very true. It makes it real hard not to give Texas one seed. So the possibility is still there. Of course, you got to beat TCU tonight. You got an it's outside that, shot. That, but uh, to see Rodney Terry and this crew get past all the adversity that a lot of people thought this season might have been over after the Chris Beard news, to basically be looking dead on at a two seed right now, uh, it's amazing. So that'll be a very cool to get a reaction from uh, the Texas team as well. And we'll be doing that Sunday at 5 p.m. right here on the Horn.
1: That's good. I mean, you got a busy weekend. Man, you know. <laughs> yeah. When is it not busy, Rod? You got a busy weekend. You see me, you see me when I'm off. I'm walking my dog around the neighborhood. You are, man. You are <laughs> you're, you're a great dog on the too, <laughs> the unofficial mascot of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, this weekend, hopefully watching some Texas basketball. Also, you got the Oscars. Oh, is right. that this week? I don't know. I believe the Oscars I haven't, I haven't are coming I haven't watched up a movie. And you haven't watched any I haven't of
0: watched any new movies in probably five years,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: if not longer. That's because
1: you're always busy. Oh, no, no.
0: I watch Weird. I
1: watch Weird. Oh, you I did? Watch, so and that's, that's the I one. haven't watched it yet, either. I still got it on like on my cute. I'm, I'm going to watch that, too, actually, at one point. Uh, but, yeah, I usually try to watch all of like the Best Picture nominees before the Oscars. So. But I, I think I know who's going to win it this year, though. Okay. I think um, the Everything, everything all Everywhere, at All at Once. Yeah. It's probably gonna I've work. heard a lot of
0: good things about. that. It's really good. All right, let me ask you this. It's really good. Uh, we got about a minute, two minutes left. Uh, te- the the tampering period, the legal tampering period, starts at noon, so three hours before we go on the air. Who do you think will be the first signed person? Who do you think immediately mm. someone goes out? Or it'll be a position? What position? Free agent. Free agent wise.
1: Yeah. Oh man, that's that's good. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with pass rusher of some kind. It'll be a. I haven't even looked, even looked at the pass rush to see who they are, but it'll be a pass rusher signed okay. first.
0: I think it's going to be a quarterback.
1: Oh, really?
0: I think someone is going to go hard in on quarterback and say everybody's looking at the draft. We're going the other way. Wow, it might be the Texans. Oh, oh yeah, Jimmy G. Jimmy G. might be a Texan before we take the airwaves. You
1: know what? It would not surprise me what we just witnessed today with Carolina moving up to get that pick. If the Texans are going defense. Then Jimmy G. Yeah, that means they prioritize Jimmy G. And, and they. by the way, the offensive coordinator brought his name up at the introductory press conference. Just saying. No, you might be right. Might be right about that. Great job today, Patrick. Appreciate all your efforts, brother. Appreciate all the participation on the spec text line. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Ball. Don't lie. You got Texas basketball coming up pregame right here at 8 o'clock. Craig Way, the voice of the Longhorns, on the call with Eddie Ornn. Uh, we love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. More importantly, take care of each other. Have a great weekend. Peace.